Hello and welcome back to the EB Life podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I cannot wait for you to hear today's interview. It's such a great one. As you may already know, this podcast is produced by AMA or the Alberta Motor Association. And we've been serving Albertans for almost 100 years. So, of course, we have to adapt our services as the automotive landscape changes. So today's episode is going to be with Colin Fritz, the Associate Vice President of Operations at AMA. He's also been leading our electrification strategy. So he'll be talking about what we're doing as an auto club to meet the needs of all drivers in Alberta. So let's get right into that interview. Hi, Colin. Thanks for joining me today. Glad to be here. Thanks. So I, you know, I know who you are, but our listeners are being introduced to you for the first time. So can you tell us a little bit about your role here at AMA? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the Associate Vice President of Operations, and I look after um, two business lines, specifically roadside assistance and driver education. And then another part of my area of, of I guess, in, our area of focus is really around our electrification strategy and what we're doing in that space. So can you explain a little bit about what the electrification strategy is? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really thinking about as an auto club, how do we remain relevant to what our members changing needs are as really how people are using and consuming energy changes in the world. So for us specifically, we're looking at focused around the vehicle, you know, as an auto club, it's like a natural transition for us. And what we recognize in the market is that um, EV growth is a real thing. People right. are buying them at exceptional levels. The growth rates are double digit year over year and globally they're even higher. And we're going to see a significant change in vehicle mix on the road. And as an auto club, how are we supporting that? How are we making sure we're offering valuable products, services, information uh, to ensure we're there so members can live their best lives? So basically just making sure that we're in a good place. So when even more Albertans, because I know right now, the numbers are still relatively small, but when that shift sort of happens where more people are driving EVs, we're already able to accommodate their needs. Exactly. You can either be leading the change or you can be catching up to the change. And I, I think our perspective on that is, is, you know, we have this almost hundred year history of leading for what Albertans need. And so our perspective is like, how do we get there early and how do we start providing that information to be there? You know, most people probably are familiar with AMA for our roadside assistance program. So mm -hmm. what services are currently available right now through roadside for EV owners? Right. So traditionally, we can tow any vehicle, right? So a passenger vehicle, whether it's an EV or not, we're able to tow that and we can do that anywhere in the province as well as across Canada. Because at the end of the day, it's still just a car. It's a four-wheeled vehicle that can be picked up. Is there a difference in towing needs for the EVs and traditional ICE vehicles? Not really. Uh, where it comes down to is vehicle weight. So it right. comes down to a technicality of can your tow truck lift the vehicle weight. But the reality is, is most of these are small passenger vehicles or even smaller SUVs. And that weight's not pushing weight restrictions on any tow truck in the province. It's really just being aware of like, uh, again, technical, but like these idea of hookup points that I'm not putting a hook into a battery right. as a very extreme but literal example of what that could be. So, you know, in towing, there's some slight changes of making sure we know where the hookup points are, but they're, they're very trainable. And honestly, the majority of your technicians out in roadside will see those differences and be able to hook up. Where it really changes is 
the way we look at it is we call it like light service. And that's really anytime we don't have to tow you. So think of like um, a tire change or a um, battery boost or a um, fuel delivery. And that and that's really the delineated difference. And, and so when we speak about fuel, obviously we can't bring you a jerry can of gas. It, it doesn't, you wouldn't have nowhere to pour it. <laughs> right. So uh, what we're looking at right now is how can I offer charging options? And obviously the easy one is we could just tow you but that's not really a mobility option. Now I'm just moving you somewhere. Right. So the other one is we're looking at is vehicle to vehicle charging is how could I provide you a jerry can equivalent for an EV? So we hook you up to a battery or we hook you up to a vehicle and provide enough energy so that your vehicle can travel to a close charging destination, really on the same model of what a jerry can would do. Right. So just topping you up just enough to get you to somewhere where you can fully charge. That's exactly it. So we're testing that right now. Uh, We have um, two charging, mobile charging units. They're called spark charges and they're batteries. They're kind of like stackable large batteries and they produce a level two charge to the vehicle. So about 15 minutes, we say you get about 15 minutes of drive time from it, enough to get you somewhere. And so we're piloting that in both Edmonton and Calgary in the major centers. And we also have purchased uh, two Ford Lightnings. And so... With those, what's interesting is that Fords release the ability to actually provide a charge from your existing battery. So I, there's, uh, they provide these hookup cables that you plug into your vehicle. I can then hook up to another EV and be able to provide charge mm-hmm. um, into that vehicle so that they can then drive and we have this serviceable unit basically like a jump start, right? Like for your ice vehicle. If <laughs> right. Except for a jump start starts the battery. So it's almost like that's exactly how I always position. It. It's like a jump start, but it's like a jump start of fuel, right? Because we're not starting the vehicle. Well, effectively we are, but we're starting it and giving it that battery, that energy. So that's kind of one major part. And then the light service on tire changes is the other interesting one. And what we're recognizing right now is that more and more EVs aren't coming with spare tires. So they aren't. No, it's okay. quite, and a lot of it comes down to weight. So, you know, the amount of weight that's registered on the vehicle is a concern because of the batteries. And so manufacturers are looking to save space and save uh, the weight on that vehicle. And a lot of them aren't coming with it. So they're either running run flats, this idea that you get a pop and it can run with enough distance to be able to get you somewhere safe or, or not. And then, and then it puts us in a position of, do I have to tow it Mm -hmm. because we don't have a spare? And then we're looking at things like we're piloting right now, this idea of a universal spare tire uh, that we'd be carrying around to be able to keep you mobile. So we're looking at different options, understanding what that transition will mean, because even if you think of as EVs grow out in the market, you're going to have more of them that are heavier vehicles on the same roadways. So while, you know, living in Alberta, we recognize potholes are a significant problem. Yeah. All the vehicles on the road are now 20% heavier on the same roadways. The likelihood is we're going to see more challenges in the roadways, creating more tire problems. So how are we going to do this? And that's kind of information we've gotten back both from the U.S. as well as through a lot of the European clubs that are starting to see that. Right. So just kind of looking at their learnings and seeing how we can be prepared. Exactly. I mean, the European clubs, a lot of ways are a lot farther ahead of us. You know, uh, their EV vehicle penetration on roadways are way ahead of where Canada's at today. So you're trying to learn from recognizing where they're similar and different and, and what are the experiences. And they're finding that running out of range or charge is not a huge problem for them. It's right. very low, much like running out of fuel is for us. It's mm-hmm. a very low problem because people plan around that. 
Um, the bigger one is like, what do we do on these tires and where do we find places to get this repaired and, right. and stuff like that? You mentioned we have a couple of Ford F-150 Lightning vehicles. Are those in Edmonton? The challenge is, is obviously procurement of any EVs right, right now. <laughs> uh, so we had ordered them in early 2022 and received them at the end of the year. They took about a full 12 months. They're both in Edmonton only because they're being outfitted. So right now they've been fully branded and they're just being, you know, basically equipped to be on the road. And we're going to have one in Edmonton and one in Calgary where our major fleet zones are. And the primary use for those vehicles are for providing, like you said, like the fuel top up or? No, they're going to be, we're, we're, we're trying to run them operationally like any what we call battery truck, but any F-150. So it's okay. going to carry replacement batteries for ICE vehicles. Because the reality is, is, as you said earlier, if there's 2% of vehicles on roads or EVs, it'd be super inefficient for us to just drive around with them. So they're going to carry replacement batteries. They're going to be able to do everything a traditional, what we call light service truck would do. So battery installs, unlocks, tire changes, but it's also going to have the ability to do this. It's almost like we've added a skill from our existing trucks that it's able yeah. to do. And if this all goes well, is the plan to continue adding more EVs to our fleet? I think it's the logical transition, you know, organizationally, we're, if nothing else, whether it's EV or not, it's how are we reducing our GHG, our, you know, our greenhouse right. gas emissions. So, and we run large fleets. So EV is a way, and we have to continue to test to understand how well does it work for our use cases? How does it work with our employees, the number of hours we're on road, cold weather, all of those things, but likely we want to look at some hybrids. We want to look at some smaller truck options. And then right now you're very limited in the trucks that are available for our use cases. So as more come out, maybe it's a lightning, maybe it's a Toyota, maybe it's a Honda. Like we're not necessarily um, brand specific as much as what's going to meet the needs on that light service end. Right. So last year, at the end of last year, AMA installed some charging stations at a few centers. Uh, there were charging stations put in in Edmonton, Medicine Hat, and Lethbridge. Can you tell us about that initiative, if there are plans to expand to more centers, and why were those specific regions chosen? Yeah. Um, so we want to play an active leadership role, and what we recognize in the Alberta environment is that um, access to charging is a challenge. Like that's a, that's a reality right now. The, the charging network is growing and it's growing really quickly, but it's not where it needs to be to actively support. And so as an auto club, we, we wanted to figure out where we could be in this space to support. And so we wanted to pilot a couple of charging stations, uh, that were logical locations to us that would get some usage, um, and also help us learn, understand, and figure out how we grow from there. So, uh, working with um, South Grow, um, the South Grow community, um, we ended up applying for um, government funding to be able to get it co-funded with the government, which we were successful in. And so part of it is since South Grow was a Southern Alberta initiative, it only made sense that we looked at centers in Southern Alberta to start, which is why we chose Medicine Hat and Lethbridge. The other thing is, is they're building an established network and the penetration of EVs is quite strong there. So for us, those became kind of logical spaces because people, the openness to what those stations are and the likelihood of utilization was high. Then what we did is we also got funding for another location and we thought our, our flagship center in Edmonton South was one. It's close to home. You're able to measure and understand how it's working. It can help support even our EVs that we have in our DE fleet. Um, and so we wanted to start small, get some understanding and look to grow. 
So you mentioned DE, which stands for driver education. So I think most of our listeners probably already know that AMA has that driver education branch. And we've added a couple of EVs to the fleet. So why was that important? I think it's important because people need to learn how to drive the vehicles that are in market. I think the best way we think about it is um, there's lots of people existing today that have never driven a manual transmission. Yeah. Right? I grew up on an automatic. I have no idea how to drive this, uh, how to drive back a manual transmission because you really can't get cars purchased in that way. Right. And so we're like on the leading edge of like the first automatic transmission is kind of how I would think about EVs today. And so as a leader, both in as an auto club, but also in the driving education school, how are we starting to inform, educate and, and preparing students of the future um, and how to drive maybe what the future of vehicles is going to look like. And so I think it's important for us to test, learn, gain feedback from members and students to understand um, what do they need to know? How can we assist in that transition and ensure we're being relevant for whatever their purchase decisions are? Yeah, that's something that kids today might drive an EV and not know what a traditional ICE vehicle is like to drive. It feels <laughs> Makes foreign. me feel a little old. Totally. <laughs> I, I've, that is a really old statement for me too, to think the idea that my kids who are like nine and seven may only drive a may only drive an EV. I, I don't know. It feels foreign, but I don't think there's going to be a point where that might be very real. real. Yeah. And so then what does that mean? And how do we ensure we're again, leading in that space and showing people that we know about this, we can educate you and prepare you for whatever vehicle type works for you. And where are these vehicles available to be booked? So right now we have uh, two of them and they're in Edmonton. And so Initially, our plan was, do we go to market and start talking about, okay, we got EVs, book a class with EVs. What we're recognizing right now is, you know, if we think there's one or 2% of vehicles on market are EVs, and if you're a parent right now who doesn't even own an EV, is it realistic you're going to put your child in a lesson for an EV? Right. Right. And you go, don't know, because if if I haven't bought in or I don't own one or in, and they're expensive, am I buying that for my 16 or 17 year old? Like I wouldn't be. Right. But what we've done is we wanted to pivot the strategy a little bit and to say, how do we gain exposure into the EV? So what we're doing is, is we're trying to now focus that when you're buying a set of lessons that we expose one of your lessons into an EV. Okay. So that what we can do is we use the lesson to educate you on kind of the ins and outs of the EV, how to understand charging, how to understand your battery life, feel the pickup, regenerative braking, trying to really provide some basic level information, get you a driving lesson within it so that you... You have some exposure so that when they are more mass available, when the pricing comes down because they're not just the top end models, you've had some exposure, a look and feel, and you recognize that at the end of the day, it just drives like a car. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had some exposure to kind of help you with that transition and get you a little more, you know, a little more confidence in your purchasing decisions. Well, Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we go, what are you excited to see from AMA as the automotive landscape continues to change? Is there one thing or a couple things that you're most excited about? Yeah, we're really trying to build out in two things, I guess. You said one, but I'm going to give you two anyways. Uh, one <laughs> I of said them, one or two. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the liberty of two. One is the idea is we're going to be launching our new website around EVs in the April, May timeframe. And what we're really wanting to do is provide 
I use this term a lot, agnostic information around EVs, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, and and really want to leverage what AMA has always done is we're here for Albertans, which means we talk about the good and we talk about the bad around EVs and really trying to support this idea of owning, buying, maintaining an EV and helping people through those steps with, um, you know, really just clear, trustworthy information for you to make the best purchase decision. Because we recognize that EVs are great, but they're not for everybody. And and that's okay too. Um, The other one that I wanted to talk about is really, um, we're really excited about what we're doing in industry and who we're partnering with. Because what we see as AMA and as, as employees who work within this province is how do we work with key partners around the province to ensure um, we're able there to support our members. So whether that is um, large organizations like the energy providers or whether it's advocacy groups is where do we ensure AMA is involved, we're listening and we're ensuring that we're staying on top of information to be able to represent our members best in this province. So you talk about the three charging stations that we currently have at centers. Are there plans to expand? Yeah, um, absolutely. So we applied for funding to continue to grow out our footprint of uh, level two chargers. So, you know, we'll be going early this year. We'll be adding some more in in Edmonton in our in our um, Manning location. But also like what's interesting is Fort McMurray, Grand Prairie, really underserviced um, locations. Mm -hmm. Um, We have one going in Calgary, Kingsway. We have one in Sherwood Park. So we're adding about five to six more plus some within our our own fleets. And, And really for us, what's important is we see ourselves as this destination charger. And how can we support members in this idea where you're going to be somewhere for a while and gain a charge? We're, we're not really in that space as um, a true energy provider, like a, whether we use Shell, Petrocan, somebody who's really in that space and better set up. We want to be there to be able to support people um, in more of that destination type setting. And that'll be particularly important in Northern Alberta, because as you mentioned, there really is a huge gap there. Huge gap. I mean, you cannot drive your EV from Grand Prairie to Edmonton today. Right. Uh, well, you won't make it. You could, but then you'll be <laughs> calling us and then we'll be picking up and towing. Yeah. So we want to be able to provide those options because those Northern communities are going to be seeing growth in EVs too. I think there's a perception that if you're in North and you're near the oil industry, but the reality is, is there's people there that find the technology cool, right. interest in what it is and where can we continue to support? Because, you know, we represent the whole province, not just Edmonton, Calgary. Right. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of EV Life. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes when they're released. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments you'd like us to hear, contact me at community at ama.ab.ca. As always, I'm your host, Crystal Maharaj, and I can't wait for you to hear the next episode. Thank you for listening.